name of Jesus, we thank you for this day that you've made and created just for your children. Lord, we worship you, we glorify you, we exalt your Son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're invited in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a lot of announcements today, so we're going to do them first, and then it won't interrupt the flow of the service. So, this week, no Patriots, Wednesday night at 7, midweek service. And last week when we had our meetings, we, we made a few changes, and they're for the future, but I want you to get this down on your calendars. So, um, we do, in the summer, we do Jesus Day. That's the big Children's Day outreach extravaganza. And we like to do it right after school gets started so the kids can invite their friends and get them in. So the best day that we could work out for that is Saturday, August 26th. So mark your calendars. Jesus Day will be Saturday, August 26th. And we're going to do it a little different this year. Do you remember last year in March we had John Tash come and he was the children's minister? John Tash is going to come and be with us that day. He's going to be in in do some parts of the service parts of the day and then he will be here that Sunday which will he can minister and that gives us an opportunity to invite the kids and their families back so that will be Saturday August 26th and Sunday August 27th now the kicker was you all most of you know Mike Keyes he's our missionary that uh, the Philippines and we've always had him in September this year, we bumped him up to the end of August, which was the best day for Jesus' day. So we changed the date, and he will be here Sunday, July 23rd. I know that's... Yeah, he will expect... I know that's vacation month, but we had a little trouble getting that all juggled, and that's why we're letting you know way ahead of time. The final thing is... We've been wanting to, there's a class, and it's called Biblical Citizenship. And we've been wanting to make, give you an opportunity. I want to take the class. And so we kind of worked out the details, and we're going to begin it on Sunday afternoon, March 5th. Now, it's a 16-hour class. It takes some commitment. There's no test, Mike. And Rich Riley is a certified instructor and has all the stuff that we need to have with it. So what, we're, what we're, we decided to do was we're going to start it for two hours on that Sunday, on the 5th, or four hours, from 12 to 4. And if you don't know if you can commit to all 16 hours, but you can commit to that 4, that's a starting place. And then perhaps you can... If you really like it, you can catch up, or then we're going to offer to other venues and, and ways throughout the year, hopefully. So, but that's a starting plate. Now, we have a three-minute clip, and we're going to run that, and it's going to explain that. So that will start Sunday, March 5th, from 12 to 4. We'll figure out the lunch situation, okay? So go ahead and run that, please. That statement is more true now than ever before. Well, and so many Christians are confused 
because they're being told things by from different people, such as, oh, Christians shouldn't do anything in government, stay out of that. It's not what the Bible says. In fact, we're called to be biblical citizens. Biblical principles are what produce freedom of society, but you won't have biblical principles in society in which you don't have citizens with a biblical worldview. The truth of the matter is most Americans don't have a biblical worldview, which means that they have to draw on or they've chosen to draw on other worldviews that are available to them. The further we move away from biblical principles, the further we move away from liberty and freedom. Remember um, in the Old Testament after the scripture had been hidden for so long and it was brought out and it was read yeah, before the people, right. the people wept with joy that's right. because there's freedom in that's law. Right. I found over the years that uh, the only really reliable uh, matrix to reality is the biblical blueprint. We've relegated to say, look, politics is dirty. That's what pastors say. Politics is dirty. I don't do, I don't do politics. Well, the church is dirty. What's your point? There's so many people today that are uh, educated at institutions where they come out as secular humanists. Yeah. And so there's no fear of God. If you're a Christian, a person of faith, you must care about what's happening in our culture. You must get involved in voting. No, the Constitution is so unique. It is the only Constitution that actually limits government. So in other words, if you put bad people into a broken structure, you're going to get bad results. If you have a bad system, you elect good people to go into a bad system, you're still going to get a bad result. And the founders knew this nation was already very diverse, and federalism allows that diversity to flourish. And you begin to love what God loves and hate what he hates in the scriptures because your heart is lining up with the heart of God because of the gospel. It is astounding to me how many people in America have been indoctrinated into a condition of complete ignorance. I think biblical citizenship as a Christian would be stewardship. That God has given us this republic to be stewards over. In terms of actually having a biblical perspective on things, even in terms of believing that the Bible is a trustworthy document to give them guidance for their future, most Americans are not in that place. As people are experiencing tyranny, we, they're asking why, what has happened, and there's just this feeling of being lost right now and not knowing where to turn. And you just gave us the foundation. This is truth. Knowledge. We just want to give you an opportunity to have knowledge. We have several, lots of people already signed up for this, but we have a sign-up sheet in the back on the, that counter out there. So if you're interested, if you can commit to that first four hours, I said we'd figure out the food situation. We'll make sure you get fed. So if uh, you can commit to that first four hours, sign up back there before you leave today. Go ahead and we may begin.
the salvation of this nation is only found in Christ. The salvation of your family is only found in Christ. The salvation of your marriage is only found in Christ. There is one name. All power, all authority is in one name. The hope of glory, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Savior of the world. It is only through, it is only in, it is only by, it is only because of Jesus Christ.
Surrender and submit to Jesus. Let it go. Let it go. Every burden, every care. Your Father loves you. There is nothing more precious than you.
are more than enough. You are more than enough. You're the one who fills my cup. Perfection's what you do. Your mercy's always new. And it can't be undone. I sing worthy is the Lord. I sing worthy is the King. And I sing worthy is my Father. Worthy is your name. Forever and ever, forever and ever, forever we'll sing. Worthy is your name. Well, I sing you are more than enough. You're the one who fills my cup. Perfection's what you do. Your mercy's always new, and it can't be undone. So I sing, worthy is the Lord. Worthy is the King. Worthy is my Father, worthy is your name, I sing worthy in the Lord, worthy is the King, worthy is my Father.
given among men whereby we must be saved. That name is Jesus. At the mention of that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. There's no name greater than the name Jesus. And so, Lord Jesus, we worship you today. We submit ourselves, spirit, soul, and body, every area of our life to you Lord Jesus for you are worthy Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world you came to redeem your people to save your people and to restore unto us everything the Father had for us in the beginning so we give you glory we give you honor and we give you praise our King our Lord and our Savior and we welcome you Spirit of Grace in this place to help us exalt Jesus who was and is and is coming soon we worship you our King we love you we owe you everything, Lord Jesus. And so we pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not our will at Harvest Church, but your will. We thank you, Father, that we're seated in heavenly places with your Son. And you've given us authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The greater one resides within us, and that is Jesus. So we acknowledge that today. We declare Jesus in us is greater than anything the enemy would bring our way. And so, we can't lose. We can only win with you, Lord Jesus. And so we thank you, Father, for the days ahead. We're expecting miracles. We're expecting people born again, filled with your precious Spirit. We're expecting people healed dramatically. We're expecting you to move in our midst. We love you, our King. And we invite you, Lord, you are the Word of God, the living Word. Just speak to our hearts today. And what's out of order will come into order in this new year. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
I mentioned that Mike and Ethel Keys are our missionaries that we support to the Philippines. We also support another missionary, Jeff and Corinne Rogers, and they're in Africa. And this week we received a letter. They've pretty much been stranded over there. They're over there. We don't see them very often, but he communicates. So this week, and I want to read this to you, Dear Harvest Church, Thank you so much for investing in the people we serve in Zimbabwe and Malawi, Africa, this last year. We have seen God work in the lives of thousands of men, women, and children during 2022 through your generosity and support. In Malawi, we have made advancements in health care, sustainable agriculture, marketable skills training, and our nationwide well repair program via the clean water climbs. In Zimbabwe, our vocational training school clinic and each of our precious children at our orphanage are thriving thanks to your ongoing partnership. We are so grateful to continue to stand with, that you continue to stand with us and we thank you for all the ways you care for the people of Africa. I want to read you a scripture in um, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 38. It says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will, be, will it be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. There are financial principles in the Word of God, and one of them is sowing. And I want you to know, when you sow into this ministry, it just doesn't stop here. We make every effort to make sure that we're sowing into the world missions and into good works. Jeff Rogers, that's a good work in Africa. And so every time you sow, know that it's going not only to turn the lights on here, but it's going to help people worldwide. So we appreciate your faithfulness. We sow to them every month a portion out of what we receive. So your finances are going there. So ushers... Um, if you need an envelope, remember now they're behind your chairs. And you can fill those out, fill them out accurately and legibly. It's very helpful. And whenever you guys are ready, you may go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Kaylee, if you still have that, uh, you are not. you are more than enough. That last part, Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Lamb of God and risen King, you're coming again. Spirit of new life, miracles and signs, be exalted here and now, oh, let your name be lifted high, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, Lamb of God and risen King, you're coming again. Spirit of new life, miracles and signs, be exalted here and now. Let your name be lifted high. It's all about Jesus. 
nothing else. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue this morning, and uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And this will determine if I have to preach last week's message. Let me ask you these questions. Feel free to just shout them out. Where do we find information about Gilgal other than the Bible? Specifically, Joshua. Very good. What did God promise Abraham and his descendants? Well, yeah, that's the descendants, but what did he promise all of that? Land, inheritance, homeland, amen? What did Israel... um, what had Israel developed during their stay in Egypt? What did they develop? Slave mentality. Amen. What, what does Gilgal mean? Wheel or rolling away? And we'll talk more about that in the days ahead. What did Israel set up in Gilgal as a reminder of their deliverance? Twelve stones, a memorial. So far, the preacher's wife and kid are winning. What's wrong with the rest of you? What was Israel's new identity as they developed in Canaan? So they went from a slave mentality to a what? What was Israel's new identity as they developed in Canaan? They were slaves when they entered in, but what did they become? Warriors! Okay. Should I, should I move on? <laughs> Amen. And we are going to move on. Um, I'm going to skip the, uh, that, that long intro because of the questions. That should kind of give you kind of an idea. Look at Joshua chapter 5. We're on this subject, and I said there's a lot of prophetic parallels between Israel at Gilgal and the church today. We were on a subject for quite a while. What subject did we talk about for the last month? <laughs> what subject did we talk about? There's different categories. No, you're not getting it, folks. You teachers, do you ever feel through the years your kids just weren't getting it? And that's a reflection on the teacher or the preacher. So what have we been talking about? Do you want me to give you a hint? Who said it? $100 for you. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Amen. Leadership. We were on leadership for a number of weeks. That's the first thing. Remember Joshua? He became the next leader. Last time we talked about Joshua, who was a leader. Amen. I feel like a game show host. Are we going to move on? Hey, what's Kaylee doing for us every week? Wave at me what Kaylee's doing for us every week. Notes. Look on the back. What's on the back? Reminders, places where you can write things down so when the preacher gives you a test, you pass. Oh, boy. 
Amen. We're going to go on today. Look at Joshua chapter 5. I won't do this to you next week, so don't stay home. Because you don't want to be embarrassed. Look at Joshua chapter 5. We're going to go on to a new one. Say new one. Another point that's, that's so important. And let's look at this and let's begin with verse 8. And I'm going to read through verse 12. It says, So it was when they'd finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their camps, places in their camp, till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. A rolling away or wheel. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate, now listen, this is what we're going to talk about today. Verse 11, and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Now look at verse 12. Then the manna seized on the day after they'd eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. What was the manna? What did they, what did they eat for 40 years, folks? Bread from heaven. Who is the bread from heaven? They came down. Jesus. They had not only bread in the morning, what else did they have at night? Quail. Amen. That's not bad. Forty years, though, of manna. And, now, the manna I could, I could eat because it was, it was like biscuits and honey. She just made a, a, a coffee cake, and I told her this morning, you know, she made it for Sunday, and it was about gone. I said, I'm sad because the coffee cake's gone. But they had coffee cake basically for 40 years. I could, I could have lived on that. I like my sweets. But there was no more manna. Say, no more manna. They had to go out now and forage for food themselves. So today's main point is Gilgal was a place of personal responsibility. Say that. Place of personal responsibility. Israel had experienced a buffet of manna and quail for 40 years. Now they would have to take personal responsibility in gathering their own food. God's promise of provision took on a new form. They were on their own. He was still the provider and He took care of them. He brought them into the promised land. But they had to roll up their sleeves, get out there and do it themselves. So this morning we're talking about taking personal responsibility for your own spiritual life. Amen? Now, <laughs> I, I can understand on Sunday nights, she doesn't cook. I'm on my own. I don't like it. I've never liked it. She'll cook, you know, fix lunch. Well, I'm kind of fixing my own lunch anymore. Things have changed after 40 years. I'm kind of on my own. Personal responsibility. What, ha what happened to loving your spouse? But on Sunday nights, you know, we got to find what we can. And, you know, I've, ha I'm, I've used up pretty much my Culver's gift cards. I was there yesterday, and I went through the line, and nice little girl at the, and, and at the window, and I gave her the card, and I didn't know if there'd be enough because I ordered my fish sandwich and pop. 
And she smiled and she said, you had just enough. I was happy. <laughs> You're supposed to be on my side. Dear Lord. You and I are accountable for one's a- our own actions. We need to understand that. How are you doing? Boy, professional. You and I say, I'm responsible. Amen. I'm accountable. Amen. You need to be. Now, let me give you some statements. These are good. You and I are accountable to God for taking personal responsibility for our own spiritual life. Not your mate. Not your kids. Now, you can influence. I can understand. You can't control them. But you're responsible, ultimately, for your own spiritual life. Here's another one. You and I are responsible to feed the call of of God on our own life. On your own life. You and I are responsible to feed the call on our own life. In other words, if God's called you, we're all called. You've got to feed the call. How do you feed the call? With the Word. Fellowship with God on a daily basis. Worship. Prayer. Amen? Here's another one. Should I read this or not? We can't live off of someone else's faith forever. Your kids can't live off your faith forever. Oh, I got real quiet. Here's a good one. I like this one. You can't outsource your spiritual life to someone else. You can't outsource your spiritual life to someone else. Another one. The answer you seek and the strength you need can be found only by you. Say you. Feeding on God's Word and fellowshipping with Him in prayer. Amen? Accepting responsibility before God. This is a good one. I'm going to say it real slow. Accepting responsibility before God is how you alleviate your guilty discouragement and stress. I'll say it once more. Accepting responsibility before God is how you alleviate your guilty discouragement and stress. So if you're not accepting your responsibility, maybe that's why you're discouraged and feeling guilty. I'm not here to be popular pastor. Here's one more. Your spiritual longevity and success as a Christian will be determined by how responsible you were in fulfilling your spiritual priorities every day. Amen. All right. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Basically, just a couple scriptures today. That what we read in Joshua. And now in <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You and I are responsible for building our own spiritual life. Amen? Let me ask you this. What materials are you using? What materials are you using to build your spiritual life? Who should be your... We sang about Him today and worshipped Him. Who's our foundation? Jesus. But you're responsible and I'm responsible to build on that foundation. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. 
Paul says, for we're God's fellow workers and you're God's field, you're God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. That's so important. You should highlight that or write that down. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. COVID was kind of a fire. And it located a lot of people spiritually. Yeah. If anyone's work which he's built on endures, he will receive a reward. I'm, I'm for enduring. I'm for rewards. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now let me ask you this. Brad will like this. Caleb and Micah will like this. When it comes to building your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, are you using meat or menards? All I've heard from Caleb and Kaylee is they go and look at houses. <laughs> they walk in. And Caleb's got an eye. He's, he went to school in Omaha and for all that. And, and he'll come home and say it was Menards. And people have inflated the prices of their home. But they've used Menards products. And I'm not saying I go to Menards once in a while by my stain. But you know, not all the products might be the caliber of Mead or Century. And so you and I can be the same way spiritually. What materials are you using? What are you doing every day? Just, uh, just reading that devotional, that little quick devotional, is that your spiritual life? Is that all you're doing? Then you're not building properly. You've got to do a little more than that just devotion. Is it just, you know, Hail Mary full of grace? Whatever? Or, or the Lord's Prayer? Or now I lay me? That's not going to cut it. That's, me, that's a Menard stuff there. It has to be meat. It has to be good. Boy, meat ought to give us a discount. You better tell them, because I know that I've upset a few people there once in a while through the years. You've got to think about how you're building your life. What do you, you might have Jesus, but what are you doing every day to build your spiritual life? How many of you have heard this? In, and, the, and the Apostle Paul writes this, and I, I wasn't going to take the time to go through it. But he was in, you know, in Rome. You go to Rome. What's that statement? Rome wasn't built in a day. Why wasn't Rome built in a day? They took their time. What? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Why wasn't Rome built in a day? Did they use wood, hay, and stubble? No, they used gold, silver. Now, precious stones doesn't mean like rubies and gems. It means like marble or granite. 
And some of those buildings, they're what? Still standing today, aren't they? They sure are. They use the highest quality materials of the day. Paul also described the homes of the slave laborers that were imported to do all that work. They lived in wood, hay, and stubble. And I'll tell you what, if a fire broke out, it was gone. The granite, all the stone remained. Would you put up that the distinguished-looking gentleman for me, please? That's my great-grandfather. Isaac S. Gardner. He, uh, back in the 1860s or 70s, he walked from Nebraska, uh, Nebraska City all the way to Fairbury. Walked. Bill Asadi got his, his land. In fact, I've got the, the, the official land grant hanging on my wall in my bedroom, signed by Grant. Then he went back and got his mom and dad, William and Asenath, and brought them back to Fairbury, and uh, they put their Saudis together so they could have more land. And he started with humble beginnings. He built a really nice home, and they used to have revival meetings, I found out, in their home. They were united brethren. Well, I think united brethren, they believe the gospel. They preach Jesus. One day he was, went to town, Fairbury, which is probably about seven, eight miles south. He came back. His house had burned down. He lost it all. Well, he, he rebuilt, but go on to the next one, please. That was the home he that that was the home his son in him built he built for my grandfather, Amos. Isaac Amos and then my dad Elmer. Why they did that, I don't know. They named his the son Elmer. But that was the the one of the second home, I believe, because right north of that a block is Isaac's home. Then he built that whole block. If you go to Fairbury, there's probably a half a dozen plus homes that are built by him because he started a cement block factory. So all those blocks they made, and there's towns, there's homes through Fairbury that, that undoubtedly use those building materials, but that home is still standing. Why? Because they use the thank you. They use the right material. After all these years, and I go to Fairbury, there's a lot of homes that are just falling in, but the gardeners are doing all right because they use the right material. Amen? You and I are personally responsible for what we build on the foundation of our life, Jesus Christ. So now I'm going to ask you another question. This is a morning of asking questions. And you, you don't need to answer, okay? You think about it. Let me ask you this. How are you building your spiritual life? How are you building your marriage? How are you building your family? How are you building your, fam your uh, business? How are you building your finances? How are you building your ministry? How are you building your relationships? And then you need to ask yourself, what am I doing in this new year to build better? Are you thinking about longevity? Are you thinking about 
your, your, your spiritual life. You want everything in order because you know something's coming. Hear all this stuff about being stuffed, being shot down? Uh-huh. Canada and Montana and Alaska or whatever. There's a lot of strange, weird stuff going on right now. You know, you know, we had 9-11 and then we have this COVID thing. And I would think the church should start waking up. Is it going to take something really, you know, apocalyptic to get your attention? Not you. But I still believe the rest of the church, two-thirds of the church... Three-quarters of the church, they don't have it yet. They don't get it. What are you doing? What am I doing this year? This new year in building my life on that foundation of Jesus. Let me read you some scriptures. I'm almost done. We're talking about taking... Responsibility, personal responsibility. Here's some scriptures, just a few. You can go through the Bible and find all kinds of them. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, say you, say you means me, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You as the understood subject of that scripture. Here's another one, 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself, not your mate, not your kids, not the preacher. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have to do it. I have to do it. Philippians chapter 2, 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Colossians 3, 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, say that, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Jude 20. Verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Hebrews 3, verse 7 says, today if you will hear his voice. Uh, here, look at this one. I didn't write it down, but I thought of this the other day, and I thought this fit too. Look at this one. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. Hebrews 3, verse 7. I want to quote it correctly. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. So, it all comes back to you. It all comes back to me. You're responsible for getting in the Bible every day. And granted, just like the rest of you, there's some days I don't feel like it. It's just me. 
There's some days I don't feel like praying. There's one day this, this last week or ten days I came to church and I thought, i got to get saved again. Because I, I had terrible thoughts. Don't look at me now. I had terrible, terrible fiery darts hitting me. But if you're not spiritually mature enough to realize that's just the devil trying to sow some things into your life. And I'll never forget this. Hagen used to say this. You know, the birds will fly over your head, but you don't have to make them build a nest. And so I was getting a few twigs there. And I had to get a hold of myself. I had to say, my God, man, you're the preacher. And you're thinking these kind of thoughts? Basically, I just wanted to run away. I thought, I was thinking about things I could do other than what I'm doing. Don't look at me like that. I'm a human being. And I had to realize, you know, that's just the devil. Trying to sow some things. So if you find yourself, especially Monday morning, find yourself, oh, I don't want to go to work. I don't love my wife anymore or my kids or my dog. I'm just ready to cash it in. This old boy used to taught me into antiques. He used to say, "You just got. You're going to have to go fall on the knife." That was his. He was an unbeliever. He had some weird sayings, but I remembered that one. Just go fall on the knife, then. In other words, just end it all. I'm responsible, and you're responsible. You get, we got to renew our minds. I'll tell you, Bill. To some days, I don't feel that great when I get out of bed anymore. I don't jump out like I used to. It's like, huh, huh. But it all comes down to rubber meets the road. What are you going to do? Are you going to just quit? No. We're not going to quit. I don't pastor quitters. I'm not a quitter, and you're not a quitter. But we're responsible to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ in every area of our life, especially in this new year. Amen? In conclusion, say, he's about done. The children of Israel experienced change after they crossed the Jordan River and entered the Promised Land. They were now responsible for preparing provisions for themselves and becoming an organized military force. That's where we're at right now. That's where the church is at right now. Today, God's remnant church is no different. We must grow up and take our spiritual responsibilities seriously. Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, soul winning, church attendance must be a priority in this new year. I say, today, God's remnant church is no different. We must grow up and take our spiritual responsibility seriously. Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, soul winning, church attendance must be a priority in this new year. Listen, don't get down on yourself. There's days I don't feel like reading the Word. There's days I don't feel like praying. But, you know, I just got to remind myself... I want to be a Mel Gibson spiritually like, you know, Braveheart. 
the Patriot. Go back. My ancestor, I never walked from Nebraska City to Fairbury. I never went through what he did. He lived to be like almost 90 years old, I think. Had three wives, too. Outlived them all. I think one he divorced, though. I think she was not good. Um, I'll end with this statement. Spiritual babies cannot conquer the giants of the land. Joshua and, and Israel, they had to go in and conquer giants. Literal giants. Spiritual babies cannot conquer the giants of the land in 2023. Only the strong will survive and thrive. That's bottom line. Only the strong spiritually. So, it's time to go to Mead, folks. You don't like Mead? Go to Century. I'm not saying you can't go to Menards. Boy, they wouldn't like me today, would they? Remember that guy used to do the commercial? Menards, yeah, silver-haired guy, goofy guy about Menards. <laughs> Let's stand up. Was that all right, or did you get anything? So now next Sunday, if I ask you what I preached today, are you going to remember? Or are you just going to look at me? Okay, thank you. You said that the other day, and I, I've forgotten that. And again, Jesus said, I say unto you. Carl had reminded me that the other day. I'll just say, and again, I say unto you. Father, I bless this people, and I, by faith I call everyone here spiritually responsible. Everyone here building with the right materials on the foundation of Jesus Christ in this new year. And Lord, if we need to switch some building materials, we'll do it. We want our life, our spiritual life in order. We want to be prepared for the day ahead. And so we've got to take personal responsibility for our own spiritual walk. And I pray everyone here today will do that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I will. Amen. Anyone here today need prayer for your physical body? We believe God and believe God for healing. Amen. Just leave that. It's right. There's not that many people. You just knock my water. Well, you usually pick the water up. Though. What are you doing? You're too young to be up in a prayer line. Yes, ma'am. You're always the one that comes in up here and she stands in the gap. Bless your heart for somebody. Your your boyfriend. His mom is getting, what's her first name? Don, Father, we come in agreement, Lord, and she stands here for Don. In Jesus' name, we pray, Lord God, that you'll guide the hands of the surgeon, that he'll skillfully repair Don's knee Without any complications and a supernatural speedy recovery, we loose the peace of God upon her in Jesus' name. Yes, ma'am. Oh. Oh. Bless his heart. What's his first name? Phil. Father, we pray and, and come in agreement, Lord God, with Julie for her employer, her past employer, Lord God, in Jesus' name, we continue to curse cancer, every cancer cell in his body. 
Lord, we thank you that you're a miracle-working God. We pray, Lord, that you'll surround him with angels, surround him with spirit-filled, godly labors, Lord, that will encourage him in Jesus' name. We bind death and lose supernatural life and healing into Phil's body this day. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. A gallstone. That's that's too big for God. No, it's not. That's right. You have that attitude. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come in agreement with Laura. We curse those gallstones in Jesus' name and speak and loose healing upon her body. We command her body to come in line with the word of God for healing is in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We loose that anointing. This day, for supernatural recovery, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, you had a lot, got a lot to think about today. I encourage you with the the class. um, We didn't get that kind of teaching in school. Yeah, but not growing up in high school. We didn't get the proper perspective on history. And so, this will be good. Amen. So, you have a list. Sign-up sheet is back there. Amen. Anything else? Amen. Well, God bless you. Go out and be responsible this week.